We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey there, welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 46. I really love our guest's perspective today. She is a successful adult amateur hunter rider, and you can just tell she has such a great relationship with each and every one of her horses. She has learned from the best, and she puts in the work, so it is no surprise to see her big success. So here to talk today is Stephanie Donhockel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So let's hear a little bit about how you got started riding and um, kind of what that looked like. Well, I was always an animal lover since I can remember. I was always asking my parents for different pets, reptiles, fish, um, (laughs) rodents, Uh, dogs, you name it. We even had ducks and chickens at one point. I've always loved horses. And whenever we'd go to a birthday party, I never wanted to get off. And Mm -hmm. we went to the zoo and I would always want to go on the pony rides. I eventually convinced my parents to let me take riding lessons. And I did that probably off and on through childhood. And then when I was around 11 or 12, I started getting more serious about it. Mm -hmm. And I started out actually at a dressage barn called Topline Equestrian Center. The woman there, April Tarpley Atwell, gave me a really good foundation, but I wanted to start jumping and she didn't really have that, um, Mm -hmm. wasn't able to provide that for me. And sort of miraculously, I got connected with Archie Cox when I was about 13 years old. um, And I had never jumped. And I always joke with or He jokes with me that I tricked him into into letting him train me um, (laughs) because he was just starting out. He had been working for Karen Healy for a while, and Uh he really just started his business exactly at the moment that I wanted to get into riding. Yeah. So he needed clients. And I think that if he had been more established like he is now, he wouldn't have taken on a complete neophyte. So (laughs) when I went, I really didn't know anything. I didn't know how to count strides. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about jumping whatsoever, but he watched me on the flat and I was, had a decent foundation from my dressage, but I never said otherwise that I had never jumped. And uh, he realized at our first lesson um, when he asked me to do a four stride and I said, what's a four stride? (laughs) And he said, oh, my gosh, Stephanie, we have a lot to learn. Um, Funny. So and then the rest sort of is history with him. I had a great junior career with him, which he called the Evelyn Wood School of Riding, which Evelyn Wood is this is a famous speed reader. So he was kind of like, you know, you're 13 years old, you haven't jumped, we really need to start giving you as much experience as yep. possible so that you can catch up for lost time. Wow. And um, so that was really great. And I'm still very close with him and credit him really with my success and, you know, becoming the writer that I am today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, that must have been a, a struggle. Like I'm sure you, I mean, 13 is 
quite the age and you were just kind of, you know, learning to jump and learning this new discipline and trying to kind of, you know, keep up with everyone. It there must have been moments that were pretty challenging for you. Well, looking back on it, I, I think I was just so new to it all that I didn't sure. really notice anything. I didn't even honestly know what a good or a bad round was. Yeah, I just you're just kind of doing went your thing. And, did it. <laughs> and Archie, his idea was, you know, we're not really going to start from the, we're not going to do long stirrup or any of the smaller jumps. We're going to put you in the three foot for a year. You're going to mm-hmm. learn that. And then we're going to move up right to the three, six. And that was kind of, he set this whole program for me and I would go every day after school, have a ton of lessons. You know, there were no days off and yeah. he really worked tirelessly to develop me. And it, it really, I mean, there were definitely ups and downs, but he he really instilled so much confidence in me as a rider and i never thought i couldn't do anything he always believed in me and so mm-hmm. i believed in myself and um you know it wasn't all smooth sailing but everything went pretty well and it was yeah. it, it was a pretty you know kind of a fairy tale totally yeah and back on it it definitely says something about his program with you that you were able to kind of find the balance of kind of staying in your lane and like working on you and not, and not looking at too many outside factors. And then also just doing a ton of practice and time in the saddle, which is what you needed to uh, kind of like get to where you are today and the success you have today. So that, I think that says a lot about what Archie was doing with you. That's, that's really cool. So uh, going through your junior years, at what point did you decide like, oh, I feel like I want to keep going with this as an adult amateur through school, through all this and find success in this new direction a new avenue? Well, when I was a junior, it was all about indoors and my junior career and the education and a little bit of jumpers, but mostly hunters. It's always mostly been hunters. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I got to college, I actually took a step back from riding and I was a little bit burnt out. I wanted to experience some of the things that I didn't really get to experience while I was in high school because I was so focused on riding and school. And every day it was you know, I was so disciplined. I, you know, would wake up early, go to school, then I would go ride and then I would do homework until, you know, I, it was time for bed and there were no days off. It was, it was really rigorous. And so in college, I wanted to have more of a social life and I still wrote a little bit on the weekends occasionally, but I took a break from showing for about six years after my junior career, before I started back as an amateur. And, you know, I made a lot of friends and I've always been sort of a shy person. So it was um, a nice new challenge to put myself out there Mm -hmm. and focus solely on school and the social life at University of Pennsylvania, which is where I went to college. Um, And then afterwards, I went to New York and had a job there at the Museum of the City of New York. And so to have that time to just focus on career and and school and friends was really refreshing. I realized that I missed riding a lot Mm -hmm. and competing, um, but I think I appreciate it even more now that I had that little bit of a break to realize how much it meant to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's almost like you 
know that you know, in the back of your head, like it's still going to be a part of your life in some way, but you kind of have a piece about the position you're in right now and what you kind of have to do and, um, that it'll, it'll, it'll be back eventually, but yeah, kind of like a, a, a piece about it a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. one of the nice things through that whole period is that my family, everyone in my family rides, not the way that I do, but mm-hmm. we, have a farm in Northern California that we keep uh, Western horses and also my retired horses. So even when I wasn't showing, I always had somewhere I could go to either I would go back and ride with Archie and Mm -hmm. he always has horses for me to ride or I'd go home and, you know, ride my retired horses or ride Western. So horses are always in my life and I know that they will be forever. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. How was your dynamic with the rest of your family growing up? Obviously you were, you're, you were based out on the West coast and, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you showed a lot out West with Archie, but it probably also, especially your junior career with indoors and, and, um, maybe coming out here for WEF or Kentucky, it brought you a pretty rigorous schedule, um, of travel. How did that work with, with, I guess, like, did your parents come with you? Um, whereas your family there, were you kind of like hopping back and forth by yourself? What did that look like? Yeah, I, Rode with a lot of, ended up being my best friends who also rode with Archie or rode with trainers in the area. So usually my mom or my dad would come to the horse shows, but if they, I have a brother and a sister. So Mm -hmm. um, if they had to be with either of them for any reason, I would usually go with a friend and her mom and we would kind of travel together and do our homework together and a few of my school friends who took all the same classes were at the same shows with me. So we'd kind mm-hmm. of do it together and support each other. Um, but my parents were always very supportive and pretty much my mom was at almost every horse show yeah. and my dad would come when he could. And my dad especially liked to go to the big shows like Devon and indoors. Yeah. So he would take me to those shows usually. And my mom would be at um, most of the California shows. Okay. Amazing. What did a normal show year look like as far as where you would travel? We would go to Hits Indio, it was called at the time, oh, yeah, um, in the Winter Circuit, which is now the Desert Horse Park, I think. Mm-hmm. And so we do that in the winter, and then we would still have the Oaks and Show Park and Del Mar, Menlo Horse Show, um, really all the same shows that are around now. We do a mm-hmm. little bit of um, LA Equestrian Center sure, and just kind of stay locally in California for most of the year. But we would always go back east for Devon and then Capital Challenge, Harrisburg, Washington, and the National. Mm-hmm. So I'd really Amazing. just um, get, have those chances to, to compete against everyone in the country. And those are always my favorite horse shows. The more competitive, the better for me. I just, I really love to, um, kind of, I love the competition. I love the pressure. Um, I love kind of working up towards those big events and, um, trying to, to kind of peak at the right time. Totally. Yeah. So you like, you like the extra pressure. Do you get nervous before you go in the ring? 
No, not really. I've, um, I think just because I've been doing this for so long and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I think I've been given a lot of confidence from my training and the experience I've had. Totally. I don't really get nervous when I go in the ring, which is really nice because there, you know, so many things that can go wrong and so many different factors. So to not have to worry about my performance and kind of stress about it is, is definitely really helpful. Um, I just try to keep it simple and focus on the here and now and, and just ride each fence. And that's kind of my strategy for being consistent and not worrying about the end result, but just trying to do everything as well as I can and take each thing one stride or one jump at a time. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, what have you found are some of the biggest differences in um, the competition or the atmosphere of riding as a junior versus riding as an adult? I think that it's definitely a little lower pressure as an amateur now. Um, I think that just because we're older, we have more life experience. We have, you know, husbands or boyfriends or, mm-hmm. you know, families to take care of, um, jobs. There's a lot more going on. Um, so you kind of see the bigger picture more. And so if the day doesn't go as planned, it's not the end of the world. There's always next time. Sure. And I think with when you're a junior, you're thinking about, you know, it's all over when I age out. It's, yeah. you know, my career's over. I need, I have one year or two years or three years to really make it count. And I have to accomplish all my goals in those years. If something isn't accomplished at this horse show or this year, well, you have, you know, 50 more. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, isn't the same urgency, I think, as an amateur. And I think people just understand that there's more to life than a horse show. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's really good insight from the outside. It seems like your division is pretty cutthroat, but <laughs> it's good to know because I mean, yeah, like what you were saying, they're just a different, uh, kind of like set of perspectives as far as, you know, like what is important and what you have waiting at home, whether that's family or work or that, that idea of having to quick get all this accomplished in a certain deadline is, is definitely a lot of pressure. Hold that thought for just a minute because I want to make sure you know about the Cavalli Club. Cavalli Club is a seasonal subscription box centered around the equestrian lifestyle. So each season or four times a year, members receive a thoughtfully curated box of premium and novel essential items for both horse and rider. The Cavalli Club Spring Box has over $218 in retail value. Holy cow. And it features products from trusted brands like Tucker Tweed, Equifit, as well as new favorites such as Love, Scarlet Equestrian Co., Limber Up, Ponytail Products, and more. All for just $54.95 a season. The Spring Box is now shipping, and you can get $10 off your first box with promo code MES in all caps. So head over to CavalliClub.com to learn more. Again, use my code MES, as in my equestrian style, for $10 off your first box of Cavalli Club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Tell me a little bit about your lineup right now. I'd love to hear about some of your horses. Um, Well, I have 
a bunch of horses right now, actually, which I'm very lucky to have them. And um, I have Golden Rule. He's 16 years old. Um, He's such a special horse. Oh, my gosh. I love watching him. Thank you. He's been a really great horse for me. Um, And I've had him, Enough Said, and Quest the longest. I've had them for about uh, six, six and a half years. Um, And Quest and Enough Said, I show in the three foot three amateur division and Golden Rolls in the three six amateur division. And then also in that division, I have First Light, who's um, been a great horse for me, but he's been um, injured for a couple of years and he's just coming back. And then I have Castellon who, and Brightside, who I've had for about a year each. They're younger. Um, Brightside has, they've both actually been out for um, about 10 months, something like that. But um, Brightside's coming back and um, Castellon, I just showed for the first time last weekend, which was really exciting in the three, six amateurs. And then I have Tufton Avenue, who's a new ride for me. I just got him um, a little over a month ago, and he's been a really um, great horse um, so far. I really love him. He's showing in the three, six amateurs. And then I have um, two horses up north in Boston where I live most of the year, Starina B and um, a hunt horse named Happy who I fox hunt on in the fall uh-huh. and um, will start up in the spring as well. And cool. Starina's, she's kind of semi-retired, but I'll probably do some local shows with her. And it's nice to have horses that I'm able to ride when I can't get down to Florida or to New Jersey where my trainer, Scott Stewart, is based. Okay, got it. Perfect. So your schedule right now, obviously you're in Florida for the winter. Do you still have to pop in and out up to Boston? Yeah, I'm only really in Florida the weekends that I show. Uh Um, And I'll usually come down on Thursday before I show and then stay for the weekend. Got it. Um, And then I'll come back. So I'm still mostly in Boston through the winter. It's a lot of travel, but it works out. And I have a great team at River's Edge and everyone keeps my horses going for me when I'm not there. And then I have another trainer, Nancy Seslick, who um, is in Boston helping me when I'm not able to, you know, always be riding my own horses. She gives me lessons on Starina and Happy. Cool. So it makes it all work pretty well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, when you were, uh, riding with Archie, did you transition directly to Scott or what did that look like? Well, I had Archie put me in touch with Scott. And when I realized I was going to be living on the East coast somewhat for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. and Archie couldn't really come Every, you know, every show I was showing on the East Coast, it was too hard for him to be on two coasts to train me. Right. So he put me in touch with Scott Stewart about seven years ago. Okay. And um, he has been a great trainer for me. He's, um, he and Archie have really different styles, but um, Scott has, there's no one who has a better eye for a horse and he's really Mm -hmm. found me 
the absolute best hunters I could ever imagine and is such a great hunter rider himself. Mm -hmm. So I feel so lucky to have him as a trainer and he's also a great horseman and, and has taught me a lot about that as well. Amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, that is such a good set of skills to have, um, especially from a trainer, as far as an eye for a horse and, and horsemanship. Are you, are you involved, uh, heavily in the, um, in the process of, um, finding horses or do you leave that to his expertise? What does that look like for that process? It's definitely a joint effort. Um, usually Scott will send me, um, perspective horses or if there's something nice that he sees and then I'll either say yes or no mm-hmm. and but usually he's kind of sourcing the horses but I have a pretty strong opinion about what I like yeah and um I've seen a lot of horses over the years and ridden a lot of horses and I there's there's kind of they don't have to be any particular way, but there's a certain look that I like or, you know, way of jumping, style of jumping, mm-hmm. um, way of movement that that I like. So I, I um, Scott kind of knows generally what I'm looking for and then I'll say yes or no, but I trust his opinion and a lot of horses that I've gotten, I haven't even sat on. He's yeah. picked for me and it's worked out really well. So, um, it's a good partnership that way. Totally. Um, have you found that a lot of your successful hunters have been horses that he has found within the United States or ones that he, uh, that you guys have imported? Um, mostly imported actually. We've okay. pretty much, um, most of them have come from Europe and Scott's either gone over there to try or mm-hmm. um, purchase them off of video. Um, and some cases he'll go back to go over to Europe, buy several horses, and then I'll kind of get to get my pick of sure. you know which one I like best. Yeah. So um, so that's really helpful, and because um, you know don't always know when you buy a horse from Europe, if it's going to like the hunter life and Mm -hmm. like being in the U S so, um, so that's definitely helpful to have them come over here and get acclimated a little bit and see, you know, if they're going to cut it and if they're going to like the job. Um, but my recent horse that the last one I just bought a couple months ago, Tufton Avenue, was showing in the pre-greens and the first years here in Florida. And Scott was also showing in that division and saw him. And I wasn't really even looking for a horse at the time, but he said, you know, I think we should really look at this horse. It Mm -hmm. looks like it would be a great horse for you. And he was absolutely right. Um, He's been fantastic. So cool. Love it. Um, so what does the rest of, uh, your year look like once, uh, the circuit is over? Well, we'll stay down in Florida, um, through April or the horses will at least all be, um, mostly in Boston, but a little bit back and forth to practice. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll do Kentucky spring in uh, the first week of May Mm -hmm. and then Devon, Upperville, 
And then um, it's a little bit up in the air for the summer. We don't always show that much over the summer, um, but we always do Kentucky Bluegrass and then the Hampton Classic and then Capital Challenge and Indoors. Awesome. Cool. Um, When you are uh, nearing indoor season, um, is there anything that you do in particular to prepare or do you kind of treat it as just another horse show? What, what is, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, for me, it is sort of just another horse show, but I, I try not to put too much pressure on myself or any more pressure than I would any other week. But yeah. I do like to make sure that I'm in practice and that I've been riding consistently the weeks coming up to it so that. I'm, you know, fit and tight in the tack and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Is there an area of the industry that you're particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk enough about? Um, Well, one thing that um, I have a lot of um, that's very near and dear to my heart are retired horses and older horses that maybe can't do their job anymore or, you know, need to step down. A lot Mm -hmm. of times, um, you know, even famous horses that have had an amazing career when they're done winning, their owners don't want them anymore, don't have any use for them. Mm -hmm. And then they end up losing track of them and, you know, they don't get the retirement they deserve. So um, that's really important to me with my horses that, that, I don't really sell them um, because I don't really trust that even if I sell them to somebody that's great, you don't necessarily know yeah. if where they'll end up. So um, they're kind of my children and I love them so much that I want to provide for them and they give everything, you know, to us and totally. really trust us to take care of them. So I'm very lucky that we have a place in California where they can go when they're ready to retire and, um, you know, can live out their days happily. And I know exactly where they are. I can visit them and, Mm -hmm. you know, treat them, you know, give them the retirement that they reserve. So that's really important to me. Um, and I still have a bunch of my old junior hunters there, one horse, um, lifetime. He was my first show horse. I've had him for 20 years now. Wow. And he, he's, um, by everything. I just, he's like my first love. I, I just absolutely, oh, wow. um, it's so nice that, you know, he, we were doing children's hunters together and then we went up through juniors and I even showed him in the high performance and, wow. um, and then the amateurs. So, and now he's retired. So it's just nice to have that whole life span with your horse mm-hmm. and to be with them when they're at the top of their game, but then to also be there for them when they're older and, you know, maybe a little bit creaky and mm-hmm. not as, you know, not as much pep as they used to have, but just to be there for them and to show your love for them and take care of them throughout their life. That's very important to me. Right. What are some signs that you look for when you feel like your horse is ready to take that step down or to enter retirement? I don't have a ton of experience with that yet. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm starting to 
to think about that a little more because my oldest horse is now 16. Yeah. Um, and I'm a firm believer that horses do like to have a job. And if they're feeling good, that they, you know, they want to have a purpose um, and something to, you know, a job to do day in and day out. I think mm-hmm. that keeps them younger. So as long as they're sound, I think that, you know, keeping them in work, even if it's maybe not in the show ring, um, you know, I think it's always a good thing. And also with a horse that's won so much, you don't want to um, keep showing them if they're not necessarily at their A game anymore. And of course, they're not going to be winning as much when they're 16 as they were when they were 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. But um, it's just it is difficult to figure out when the right moment is to to step down and maybe you step down to the three foot three division or maybe you just keep riding them at home, but don't show them as much mm-hmm. um, and kind of retire them from the show ring. So that's something I'm still kind of thinking about. I think my horses still feel like they're, you know, have a couple years left and but we'll kind of play it by ear and if the horses are feeling good they'll kind of tell you themselves you know what Mm -hmm. they're capable of and what they want to do yeah yeah exactly for someone who doesn't have a place either personally or, or know of necessarily a good place to retire their horse do you have any suggestions of what they can do or where they can go I don't personally know of any facilities, but I do have friends who've retired horses in Virginia and Kentucky. And Mm -hmm. I think that those sort of not super cold climate, but those kind of places that have a moderate climate, I think are, and a lot of land are a lot of great options. So I've heard, and also North Carolina, I think is a place where people retire horses as well. Mm -hmm. But, um, I do think that there are a lot of people that offer that. And I mean, it is expensive, but I think that if you can afford to have a show horse, I think you should be able to afford to retire the horse as well and, or at least find a proper home for the horse where they're being taken care of because they've just done so much for us. Exactly. Yeah. Such a good point. Uh, Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, chat with me over on the podcast. And um, I know you have a super busy schedule, but I appreciate you taking the time and um, I wish you all the best. Well, it was really nice talking to you, Bethany, and um, I'll talk to you soon. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.